Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Phil is done playing hooky. Are you proud of yourself? Did you get anything done while yep, you were done? Yep, I, I got a lot done, So, but it's good to be back. <laughs> well, glad you're back. <laughs> we... um. I don't know if you were here last time when we talked about the Reformation Conference, but we have our speakers and we have our date set of September 17th and 18th this year, 2021. Uh, Dr. Robert Godfrey, Dr. Terry Johnson, if you want to register for this free conference, it's going to be amazing. Go to ReformationBoise.com and you can register right there. Uh, We would love to have you be with us this year. Go to ReformationBoise.com. So that is the conference that's coming up today. We are talking about the National Day of Prayer um, because it is the National Day of Prayer today. Um, Can we, first of all, before we get into the idea of prayer itself, can we demonstrate that this idea of of calling for a national day of prayer is something that is uh, biblical, or we have an example of it. I don't have the passage in front of me, but Esther does um, when she is trying to figure out what to do in order to spare her people because of the decree of of that has unwittingly been signed by the king, um, and she calls for the people to gather in prayer um, before she goes to the king to request make a request of him. And so she says for all the people to gather and, and pray for her, which in essence is praying for the nation. Of course, there's that famous passage, if my people will um, you know, turn to me and pray and repent of their ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will you know, heal their land. And of course, I'm not trying to confuse you know, new covenant and old covenant realities. All I'm trying to say is that this idea of, of people rising up and praying for their nation is a biblical thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, that verse, uh, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Sorry, and, I got that wrong. And, well, that, that's you. You were close, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, that, that that was speaking specifically to God's covenant people, Israel. But there is a principle there, yeah, the, the, that applies to any people. Uh, that uh, that if we humble ourselves before God, that that God hears, and 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 God and and God will answer a, a humble prayer, um, and and. That text implores us to pray as a people, not simply as individuals. Mm -hmm. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. And the Old Testament principle is that the idea is that as as the Jewish people were in other nations, whether in captivity or, or whatever it was, they were called to be a blessing to the place in which they were in captivity in. And the same principle applies to us. I mean, Paul writes in in 1 Timothy that prayers are to be given for those that are in authority, for kings and all who are in high positions, Mm -hmm. that we may may lead a peaceful and quiet life. Mm -hmm. Um, So the same idea that's in the Old Testament 
is also in the New Testament and the idea that we are to be a blessing to the place that we live. I think we just have to be careful that we're um, that our prayers are directed in the right vein mm-hmm. for our nation. It's not for prosperity. It's well, it is, but not in the traditional sense of material wealth or military success or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's for gospel prosperity. Yeah. yeah. For a peaceful and quiet life. Who yeah. doesn't want that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things I think it's easy to overlook in the Old Testament is um, God, of course, is always dealing with Israel from, from, you know, essentially Genesis 15 on. But he also is dealing with all of the other nations, especially when you get into the, the major prophets. He, he directs his attention to Moab or to Philistia or to Egypt or to any Amnon or, or any number of other countries. And, and why? Well, because God just does have a, some sort of covenantal relationship with every nation. And, and I think that is a reason enough to, to, for a nation, any nation, to call out and ask mercy for God, that, that God would forgive them of their sins and that they would turn to him in true repentance. Mm-hmm. You mentioned off air, Pastor Phil, about how well we both were kind of talking about it, that in your generation, you feel like there was a little bit of an overemphasis on on something. And I said, yeah, I think, but in my generation, there's a little bit of an underemphasis on something. Well, yeah, sure. Um, I do think that we need to be on guard to turn uh, patriotism uh, into a form of idolatry. And please understand me, I, I, I love my country. I love the United States of America. And I, and I think that the commandment that we are to love our neighbors uh, it applies to love of country. Uh, there, there is absolutely no reason not to love our country and, and not to pray, pray the best for our country, um, pray repentance for our country, pray for a turning uh, to, I, I, I pray in public worship almost every week. Uh, for revival in the United States of America, uh, that there will be a, a turning back to God uh, by in our country. Um, but it's also easy to forget that Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, that, that our primary prayer is that the kingdom of God comes among us in our lives, and uh, that our primary allegiance as Christians is is to God's kingdom. Remember, the New Testament says our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we from there we await a savior. So, in your generation, maybe there's a little bit of blending amongst evangelicals between God's kingdom and the America. Sure, um, United States. Sure. So, so in my generation, I feel like individualism has so crept in that most people in my generation, many evangelicals in my generation, just don't care. Uh, don't care about what's happening in the nation, don't care about what's happening sure. amongst our leaders. And I think there's a really good lesson. If you guys remember in Second Samuel chapter 1, King Saul died. And then David and his men tore their clothes and fasted and prayed for for three things. They, they mourned over three things. They mourned over Saul's death. They mourned over Jonathan's death. They mourned over the people of God, which is the church. And it says that they mourned over the land or the house of Israel. So they mourned over their not only the church, but they mourned over their nation. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's part of our duty as evangelicals to not just care about our own family, our own church, but also our our nation. Right. You know, I I mentioned uh, off air that uh, I was listening to the funeral of Prince Philip, and uh, one of the songs that was sung at his at his funeral was a song called "I Vow to Thee, My Country," and it was it was written after the First World War. 
um, when the country had gone through a great deal of suffering. And it was a it was originally a poem that called uh, attention to how, how Christians owed a loyalty both to their homeland and to the and to the kingdom of heaven. And so the first verse is written about our loyalty that we might have toward our own country. You know, you you give your your best to it, but also the second one. But there is another country and whose whose ways are peace, and he's referring to the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. And so I I think there's a a reason to benefit from both parts of that uh, song. It was a song sung at Winston Churchill's funeral. It was a song sung at Princess Di's wedding and funeral, and then at Prince Philip's uh, funeral. Beautiful hymn. And uh, if you if you you know how uh, those events are bigger than you know, because they're on the TV, but you hear the swell of people singing this song like from memory. This is a nationalistic hymn, and yet it is pointing ultimately to heaven. Yeah. Practically um, speaking, I know it's a national day of prayer. It's it's something that's one, one day out of the, the calendar year. I actually think it is something that should be part of our ongoing prayer life. So what are some practical things that we should incorporate into our prayers that might be emphasized on a national day of prayer, but should be ongoing throughout? Maybe just as a general principle. So I'm not going to answer your question. Oh, boy. <laughs> wow. That's, hurt. That's hurtful. Yes, I get to turn it. Um, maybe just as a general principle, think about your prayers in terms of concentric circles. You know, um, how can I pray for uh, myself, my sanctification, for my, my family, for my extended family, for my church, for my city, for my nation and because sometimes i think we, we sit down to pray as as you know just your average layperson you're like well I, I ran out of things to pray for i don't know what to pray for well think in categories i thought phil was getting ready to say something well too. and just as we <laughs> as just as we pray for all things necessary for our own soul and body we we can turn that in the same way we we pray uh for the soul of our nation yeah. we, and, and individuals in that nation we pray we pray for our the revival uh, of God in their heart, yeah, and uh, and then we pray for those things that are necessary for our protections, for um, you know the 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 harvest that we would receive, the food, the economics, everything. We there's a reason to pray for any of those things. Yeah, sure, and um, pray for our leaders, whether you like them or not. Yeah, w- whether you voted for them or not. You know, depending on uh, which party is in or out of, of power, you, you may have a very low opinion of, uh, let's say, who, you know, who, who some current office holder is. We talked earlier, uh, somebody mentioned earlier, First Timothy and Paul saying uh, that we're to pray for kings and all who are in high positions. I'm in, I'm in First Timothy 2. Mm-hmm. Pray for kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every every way. This is good and pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. Yeah. Uh, God God is pleased when we when we pray for those in authority, and you may you may not even know how to pray for them, um, but uh, you, you know there's a way to just lift people up to the Lord and say, God, lead them, guide them, well, show them you, your way. You, you see, me- back to back to David. David mourned over Saul. Yeah. This was after 10, 12 chapters of Saul trying to kill trying him. Trying to kill him, yeah. 
And, 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 and in that instance, David reflected the heart of Christ. I mean, what did Jesus say when he looked at Jerusalem? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He mourned. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is God's heart for all sinners. He says, um, God does not delight in the death of the wicked. So if you think that our, that our leaders are, are wicked or any particular leader is wicked, that, that should give you more incentive to pray for them. Well, uh, Peter says, honor the emperor. And th- this is a point, even in, that's not a New Testament principle. That, when the children of Israel were taken into Babylon, you know, and, they were, and they're in captivity, Jeremiah 27, 17 says, you know, the Lord is telling them, don't listen to these prophets that say, oh, this is just going to be a short time. We're going to get out of here. He says, do not listen to them. Serve the king of Babylon. Mm-hmm. I mean, these, serve the very person that took you into captivity mm-hmm. um, and live. Why should the city become a desolation? There, You can bring life to a city that is itself desolate just by your service to it. Yeah, yeah. well, Peter, Peter said, honor the emperor. And we don't know 100% for sure who was the emperor at that time of the writing. But it probably, may Nero. probably Nero. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would say that we should pray for those things that have such an influence on our society. Pray for godly ministers. Pray for the seminaries that train them. Pray for higher education. We have institutions, colleges, universities that are filling our young people often with things that are not helpful. Um, pray that God would do a work and send godly men and women into those higher education institutions. So just, I think there are tons of things to pray for um, beyond just those that serve in public offices, but those things that influence the thoughts of the, of the populace. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We will see you next time. 